Aloha and welcome to another episode of Ohana. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. I hope that you have your Bibles ready so we can dive into uh, today's episode. Our episode is titled Dealing with Sin in Our Ohana. The church is made of people. And that means there will be problems in the church because we people have problems. All right, if you don't believe me, read about the church in Corinth. You read the letters of First and Second Corinthians, you realize, wow, they had problems. They had envy problems, pride problems, uh, division, and, and so on and so on. Things that are sinful, right? And, and to state that the obvious, uh, the biggest problem that we deal with in this life is sin itself. And the Bible tells us in Romans 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know what that means in concerning the church and the Hohana? That means you will never find a perfect church. That means a church that is that its members do not commit sin or do not deal with the struggles of sin. You will not find that. All right, and because we are human, and I'm not saying that to say that to justify sin, because the scriptures teach us that we should stay away from sin, to run from sin, like Joseph did when when he was when there was temptation, he ran from Potiphar's wife. There are several scriptures that encourage us to sin no more. First John. Chapter 1 tells us that, that we should not walk in darkness, but we should walk in the light as he is in the light, as God is in the light. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6, right, he starts that chapter off with a, with a question. Uh, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the Apostle Paul said, God forbid, right? How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it, right? So we, we as Christians, we cannot make a habit or a lifestyle that is, or have a lifestyle that is sinful, right? Romans chapter 6 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul said, let not sin rule or reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it, right? We, we are no longer subject to the rule of sin, but we are now slaves to righteousness, right? So, so let's not use the idea of we are human as a means to justify, a way to justify falling in sin, right? That's not what we're trying to do in this episode. What we are trying to do in this episode is, is like we want to learn how to handle sin among us. I'm not talking about, you know, sin outside in the world. There's plenty of it there in the world, but often it's the case what's in the world makes its way into the church. Why? Because we Christians, we get tempted. We sometimes overcome the temptations, uh, and we sometimes give in to the temptations that are in this world. And, right, and so when sin is among us or within our ohana, we need to learn how to deal with it, 
right? And and God has given us a way to deal with it. And we will have a second episode because there's so much teaching on this uh, subject. But first of all, I, I want us to listen to what Jesus said when it comes to dealing with sin in the church, right? And this is coming from our master. This is coming from the Lord Jesus. And, and we need to heed his instructions if we are going to deal with sin in a way that glorifies God, that glorifies Jesus, right? The Bible tells us that's, that's our purpose. We are to glorify God. First Peter 2 and verse 9, whatever, and, and then uh, Colossians 3 and verse 17, whatever we do in word or deed, we, we do all in the name by the authority of Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. Right, so everything we do, we, we must have the authority of Jesus to do it. Now, what we're talking about in this episode, dealing with sin in the Ohana, Jesus gave specific instructions that we must follow in the order that he gave it. Right, So I want you to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 18. And our main text for this episode is verses 15 through 20. Matthew 18 verses 15 through 20. Uh, to help set up the text, I want us to notice an outline that, that I made of, of this chapter itself. Right? And the outline goes like this Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 through 5 God's children must be humble. How are we to be humble? We are to be humble like little children. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, 6 through 9, God's children must do whatever it takes to avoid sin, right? Notice that. He's taught us that, that if, if something causes us to sin, get rid of it. Now, Jesus is certainly uh, not encouraging us to do self-harm, but the principle is this. You must take the extreme route to avoid sin, to get rid of sin in your life, because sin will take a person to hell, all right? And, and so it's, it's a heaven and hell matter. Matthew chapter 18, verse 10 through 14, God's children can be lost, but if we are willing to repent, they can or we can be restored back into the fold, right? And that's the truth. It's there's no one saved, always saved. Uh, after we are baptized into Christ, there is a possibility of apostasy, of leaving Christ. But there have been many times where someone has left Christ, but also cut, repents and comes back to him, and he welcomes him with open arms. You think about the prodigal son. That story represents us Christians who walk away from, from our Father and coming to our senses and returning back home to be with our Father in heaven. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 20, God's children must learn how to deal with sin, how to deal with each other when sin is in the relationship. And that's our focus today. And at the end of the chapter, Matthew 18, verse 21 through 35, God's child must be forgiving. When someone asks you, please, I apologize for the wrong. Please forgive me. 
God's children must forgive because if we do not forgive, Jesus said, then our father in heaven will not forgive us. And so let's focus on verses 15 through 20. And these are the words of Jesus. And I like us to, to take a verse at a time to help understand his instructions on how to deal with sin in the Ohana. Let's start with verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. When someone sins against us, we are to go to that individual. We and, and, and it's between us and them, right? We we don't turn to someone else and say, you know what so-and-so did to me? Do you know what so-and-so said to me? Right? We, we have to be righteous about handling this. We need to go to the person that offended us, right? And that is, if you're the, the offended, um, you also bear that responsibility to go to the person. If you are the, uh, are the one causing the offense, you have a responsibility to go to that person as well. We, we see that in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mountain. There's responsibility on both involved to help uh, 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 to to help work together towards reconciliation, to having that peace and harmony in relationship, uh, both spiritually and physically, right? And so, what is Jesus saying here? You go to your brother and you tell him face to face. You talk to him and you tell him what has happened. And you do it in, in a very gentle and, and humble way, right? Galatians 6, verse 1 and verse 2 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Notice that even though you're the one that was, um, even though that you're the one uh, being wrong, you still have to watch yourself on how you approach this individual. You need to be humble. You need to be gentle because you don't want to sin in the process of reconciliation, right? Of, of trying to, to, to make reconciliation. And so we, we need to speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4 and verse 15, right? And so this is just a wonderful thing that Jesus has taught us already. When, when there's sin in the relationship between you and another uh, a person in the church, you need to go to that person and you need to talk things over. Jesus said, if he hears you, you have gained your brother. Notice the beauty of that, right? When he hears you, you, you win him over. You want him over to Christ and God will be glorified through that. In Luke chapter 17, verse 3 and 4, we, we see this responsibility that we have to hold each other accountable, right? Someone sins against you, you can't be like, you know what, I'll just let that one go. If they do it again, you and you say again, you know what, I'll let that one go. Three times, four times, ten times, you say, I'll let it go. Uh that's going to cause a root of bitterness in your heart. What, what you think you let go 
has caused a root of bitterness to be in your heart. And, and then you start viewing this person who has sinned against you in, in a very negative way, yet you have not approached them to address the matter. Notice Jesus didn't say, if your brother sins against you, you let it go. No, he says, go and tell him his fault. All right. Luke 17, verse three and four says, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. All right. And let's insert a question here to help us transition to the next verse, which is verse 16, right? So this is a good question to ask between verse 15 and 16 of our main text. But what if the person does not repent, right? If you've gone to the person, you you did the, the Christian way, right? You were humble, you were gentle, uh, you, just, you spoke the truth in love. And it didn't work. The, the person doesn't, doesn't think they have sinned or the person denies they have sinned against you and they do not repent. Well, notice verse 16 from Jesus, Matthew 18, verse 16. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. All right. When Jesus says, will not hear you, when he will, but if he will not hear you, that that phrase really means he's not penitent. I mean, he heard what you said, but he doesn't agree with it. He doesn't acknowledge it to be the case. And if that happens, Jesus um, bringing an Old Testament practice here and really applying it uh, uh, for the church, and and that's that's great, right? In the Old Testament, uh, having two or three witnesses. Uh, was a common practice when, when they wanted to uh, judge a certain matter, right, or a crime or whatever, uh, a person will not be convicted based on just one, per, uh, one person's testimony, right? Uh, uh, and in, in a case of where only two people are involved, you, you, you see that that could turn into a, what he said versus what she said or, or he said what he said you know, that's not going to help solve the problem, right? And that's why you need two or three witnesses to help establish the matter. And this practice is in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 17 and verse 6, whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Deuteronomy 19 and verse 15, one witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits by the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. It is a great practice because it originated with God, right? This, this is a, a great uh, um, principle or, or uh, policy to be had in the court of law. And we do have that, right? And here Jesus applies this to when dealing with sin with one another. Right? You, you need to have other people to come and, and both sides share the story. They, they both get to be heard and then the witnesses will judge righteous judgment. 
to see if there was any wrong done. And if there is wrong done, they will identify it for both parties to help reconciliation, right? To help bring them about to reconciliation. Now, what if, right? Let's insert another question between verse 16 and 17. What if after bringing the witnesses, the person still is not penitent? Well, if that's the case, notice what Jesus said in verse 17. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let it let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Notice how serious Jesus wants us to address sin. He wants the entire church to know about this individual sin so that the entire church can help hold him accountable so they could plead with him to win him back to Christ. And this is so important. We have an example in the New Testament where the church was called to do this. Now, the problem was with this congregation was that they allowed a certain individual to continue in a sinful behavior, and they did not go through the first steps that Jesus said to do. And so the Apostle Paul uh, since everyone knew about the sin already, he called the church to this to to discipline this individual. I want you to go with me to First Corinthians five and notice that with me. First Corinthians five, verse one through seven, Paul says this: It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in the body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present, him who has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Purge, therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. We notice the situation here in Corinth. A, a man has his father's wife. And the church knew about this, and the church did not do anything about it. They were puffed up about it, the Apostle Paul said. One way to look at it is this. Maybe the, the church knew about it, and they were saying, you know what? Let's, let's extend some grace, right? Let's, just, let's extend some grace towards him and hoping that he will stop this act. The Apostle Paul said, you're, you're puffed up about this. You're so puffed up by your version of grace or perversion of grace and say, you know what? We, we are so merciful to this individual in his sin. We are so graceful to this individual in their sin that we just let him continue in it. That, that shows no love for that person's soul. And that is not righteousness at all. And so the apostle Paul calls the church. He says, when you gather together, I will be there in spirit. The power of Christ will be there. The spirit of Christ will be there. And you will do this. 
you discipline this individual. He says, you, you delivered this one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Right? How do you deliver someone to Satan? You discipline them, right? You, you, you remove them from your presence, from your midst. You purge him out. That's the idea that, that Paul was saying. Therefore, purge out the old leaven, right? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little sin in the church affects the entire church. Paul says you remove it, right? That's holding individuals accountable to the law of God. And that brings glory to God. Whenever we try to sweep things like sin under the rug in the church, it never goes well. Right. Let's say let's say we do what the Corinthians says. Someone is sleeping with their with their uh, 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 father's wife. And we say, well, you know what? We have our own sins, too. So who are we to correct that individual? Let's just sweep it on a rug. Someone comes in with a with a, 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 a alcoholic problem. And we say, well, you know what? I have my own sins too. Let's just sweep that one under the rug. Someone comes in and committed adultery on his spouse. And we say, well, you know what? We also have our own sins. So we can't really judge this matter. Let's sweep that one under the rug too. You know, the problem with that is you have this huge bump under the rug and it's going to be revealed. It's going to be obvious. And when people walk in, to the church that is filled with sin, it's going to be obvious and it's going to turn them away. But even worse, the Lord, like to the, to the churches in, in, in Asia minor that he called to repentance, the Lord will demand our church to repent. If we keep sweeping things under the rug, notice Jesus never said for us to do that. If someone's in sin, just, just don't judge them because you have your own sins. Jesus never said that. Right? John 7 and verse 24, Jesus says, judge righteously. Judge righteous judgment. And so this is part of dealing with sin. The entire church needs to plead with this individual as the last part. And if he, if he still doesn't listen, then the Bible says you you treat him as a heathen. That means he, he's not part of you anymore. He's not with the church or with Christ anymore. You remove them until they are penitent and come back to Christ. Now, notice the, the last couple of verses here, verses 18 through 20. It says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. All right. Now, verse 20 is often taken out of context. And, and people will say, see, so long as there's only two or three of us, Jesus will be with us in worship. That's not what that verse is about. That verse is about dealing with sin and where two or three have come together to bring about reconciliation and, and win someone to Christ. Christ is among them because they're doing something right. right? And, and this part of the verse where it says, 
whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That, that really means that what God had already decreed in heaven is what we should be doing here, excuse me, here on earth. Sort of like the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, right? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever God had to decree in heaven will be done on this earth, that we should do it on this earth. Right? This does not mean that, that, that we have the power to bind or loosen things. No, we bind things as God has already bounded them. We loose things as God has already loosed them. This is something God has already done and is not left up to us. I know sometimes it's difficult to, de to deal with sin in the church. Sometimes we don't want to do it, but it's important for us to remember that this is the way Jesus said to do it. This is God's way uh, to dealing with sin within our spiritual ohana. And if we don't like this way, we need to remember what the Proverbs says, Proverbs 14 and verse 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. I want to close with this verse, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. Isaiah wrote, and, and this is God speaking, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Friends, when we're dealing with sin in the Ohana, let's listen to Jesus. Let's do the things that, that he said here in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 20. To God be the glory. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in.